turn your Bibles to Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3 is where we will be tonight. I need to fill out just audience this evening. We are one, two, three, four, five days away from Christmas. Who can show me by a raise of hand, I have bought all the Christmas gifts I need to this year. Oh, man. Oh, man. I won't call you out if you didn't raise your hand, but I think everybody saw. Um, let, let's try this. Let's try this. We are, I should know this, but I really don't. Um, seven, eight days away from New Year's, which is also crazy to think about. I, I probably should know by math, right? So we're probably 10, 11 days. Um, how many of you have already made all the resolutions you're going to make for this year? Okay, okay, a few go-getters in the room, that's pretty impressive. Um, I couldn't raise my hand for either of those, so um, I can, I feel most of you out there in the audience, so that's okay. We still have a few, a few days left to buy the gift, so don't worry about that. Um, tonight we're going to be in Daniel chapter 3, Daniel chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 1, and I do apologize if I'm a little out of breath. Um, the kids over in the gym were just playing vo- um, uh, um, a game of dodgeball. And uh, I, of course, had to hop in there and try to prove them, hey, this is the kid's pastor, so I know what I'm doing. And, of course, they all targeted me, and um, I did not stay in long. So um, you, you think, yeah, this guy's so young, but I've had two kids, so I don't know. I don't know what happens when you have two kids. Um, you, just, you just lose it, you know. I think I had it at one point, but maybe not. Maybe that's just my pride, and I need to humble myself. Daniel 3, Daniel chapter 3. Verse 1, God obviously penned this. He inspired this. Um, uh, Starting in verse 3, the Bible says, Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits and breadth thereof six cubits. And he set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent to gather together the, the princes, and the governors, and the captains, and the judges, the treasurers, the, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Then the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces were gathered together under the dedication of the image that, that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up, and they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. If you can, if you can just see this picture with me, this king, King Nebuchadnezzar, um, has it within himself. He wants to build a statue, and he wants all of his rulers, his kingdom, to come to this dedication. We know why. It, it's going to be to bow down to worship to this. So as we read the next verses, I want you to really use your imagination, really try to picture um, what God has said. Because I want you to know, and uh, I want to, you to think of this truth, that every word that God inspired in this book is, is straight from God. And it's purposeful. He put it there for a reason. So let's be sure to really use our imagination here with verse 4. Then a herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at what time you hear the sound of a cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, a dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, shall the same hour be cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, 
Psalter and all kinds of music, all the people, the nations, and the languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Watch this in verse 8. Wherefore, at that time, certain um, Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spake and said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, flute, harp, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falls not down in worship, that he should be cast into the midst of of a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego... Then they brought these men before the king. I want to speak to you uh, just real quickly on this thought of a friend in the fire. A friend in the fire. I think we all know this passage, but I want to I want to ask you a question. Have you ever been somewhere where you just felt totally out of place? Have you ever been somewhere where you felt totally out of place? I uh, found some uh, strange images online of some things that are strikingly out of place. The first one we'll see is um, if if they can throw it up there for me. Some things that are out of place. It is a slide going directly into a street with an oncoming car. I don't know about you, but I would say, well, especially as a kid's pastor, that slide is, is out of place. If God ever blesses us with a playground here, uh, it will not look like that. I can promise you that. Um, so this is a picture of a slide that's out of place. I found something else. We have a volleyball court right in the middle of a freeway. And of course, these are fake, but um, these are just objects that are out of place. I don't know if you've ever been somewhere where you felt out of place, but one place that I constantly feel out of place, even though I've been there hundreds and hundreds of times in my life, is the grocery store. Is there anybody else with me on this? The grocery store. I don't know what it is, but the second I turn down an aisle, the list that I have that I need to get is, is yes, it's on my mind, but I have such trouble finding what I need to find. I, I mean, how on earth am I supposed to find um, any kind of salsa in this, in this maze? How am I supposed to find a bag of chips? Is it just me? I feel like it's just me tonight who's lost at the grocery store. Is anybody else humble enough to, to say, hey, that's me, I, I'm lost. Okay, um, not that many guys raise their hand, which maybe, maybe that's more on the pride thing that we need to talk about later. <laughs> I, I feel like I always have to ask an associate. I feel like every time I go to Walmart, um, they're always moving things. I feel like they're working against us. It's a giant um, um, uh, 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 just maze in there, and, and they're always moving things so I can't find them. Maybe they do that so I see something else like, like a piece of candy I want, and I buy that. I don't know, but uh, uh, that's for another sermon. When we think about things that are out of place... These men in our text are, are, are entirely out of place in the nation and the country that they are in. If, if you flip back to the first chapter of the book of Daniel, we find that the king, when he lays siege on the nation of Israel, and specifically their capital city, that um, within their war against it, he asked that some of the choice men from the nation of Israel be brought into his country. So what he means by that is men who are well-favored, men who are 
educated, men who are skilled. These were young men specifically, most likely in their late teenage years or just past their teenage years, um, who were all kinds of these sorts of things. They were really trained in a lot of these ways. The king is bringing in these people to now help his kingdom, to help his economy. What what we find in our text is that these men are robbed from their countries, so now they are strangers and foreigners where they're at. So if you can just picture that, picture the time where you felt like you didn't quite fit in, you didn't belong. That's how these men in our story felt. They didn't fit in in this culture at all. They were strangers. They were foreigners. That's where specifically we're going to see a dark culture, the dark culture that these men are in. Of course, we all know them um, by their names that were ascribed to them um, within Babylon. However, these three men had three Hebrew names, and those names were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. These names were testimonies of their God because they lived in a culture that worshipped the one true God, and these names pointed to that God. However, in the culture they were in, in the dark culture they were in, they were in a culture that didn't worship God or serve God or give any thought to the one true God at all. In fact, these young men faced a lot of pressure to change. These young men faced a lot of pressure to bend and to break. We find that first pressure to mold them into what this nation wanted them to be in the first chapter where they were commanded to eat a certain diet. And we know the famous story of Daniel, that Daniel, if, if you read in verse 8 of chapter 1, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, Daniel is the author of this book of the Bible, and what, what is most likely is that Daniel and his friends also um, followed this pact with him. And they purposed that they wouldn't eat the king's meat. And we know from the rest of Daniel chapter 1 that this worked out well for them. God stepped in and gave them favor with the people and allowed the, this food that they ate to nourish their body more so than the other people who were natives of this land. So that's where we see their first kind of pressure from this culture to bend. Then we see, probably more drastically in Daniel 3, this pressure to worship what's false. This pressure to give in to what's wrong, to to not do what's right, to abandon God and his precepts, but to give in to the ways of this culture and to forsake the things of God. And I find this so um, uh, just relatable to where we're at in our country and in our world in 2023. Where we hear about kids' shows promoting things that are entirely against God, trying to indoctrinate our kids, and we're pressured into saying, oh, it's okay, it's okay, just turn the other eye, your kid's not going to get anything from it, it's fine. We're pressured with our public schools to, to, to turn the other way and not, not fully understand what our kids are being taught, how they're being indoctrinated. We're pressured as a society to, to say, oh, that TV show's not that bad. That movie's not that bad. It only has a few cuss words in it. It only has a few scenes. Don't worry about it. It's okay. It's not that bad. 
we face immense pressure in our culture to forsake the things of God and to follow after the things of men. What we see here in our text is not just a pressure, yes, to change, not just a pressure to worship false gods, but now, on the other end, there's the, extinct, there's the extreme of, if you don't conform, you're going to lose your life. And we're not there yet, and, and I praise God for it. But I don't know if you've noticed, if you've looked around at, at where our country's headed, we're very quickly headed that way. We're very quickly headed to a place where we won't be free to um, gather meat and worship God openly in a place like this. We won't be free to open God's word and say, thus saith the Lord, and to tell people what the Bible says without getting in trouble, without fearing to be thrown in jail or fined, or without fearing our very lives. There are countries in this world where people face death for preaching God's word. We don't live in one of those right now. Right here in our text, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they faced death for following God. But they knew what was right. We see the dark culture that they live in. They're stranded in this culture that's trying to change everything about them. But in this dark culture... That's where they have an ample opportunity, this amazing chance given them by God to be a light. It was once said, the darker the night, the brighter the light. And that is, nowhere is that more true than in our text, where these men had a chance to stand for God and to be a light for God, and they took it. See, God can use our lights in darker times to shine brighter than they ever could. And He knows, He's sovereign. Within our text, God has his hand of favor on these men, his choice servants. And that's where we're going to see their difficult choice. A difficult choice that they had. Let's uh, keep reading in verse 14. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden ibid, which I have set up. Now if ye be ready, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, Sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, but if you worship not, you shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, We are not careful, that just means anxious, afraid, to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, O God, whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But watch this, but if not, but if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor Worship the golden image which thou hast set up. These men had a difficult choice. They felt the pressure from their culture, their society, their work, their livelihood to conform, to bend, to do what's wrong, to turn the other way. And they said, no, we're not going to do it. They had a difficult choice, and in this choice they faced life or death. See, for these men, 
the choice to follow God. It wasn't as easy as, oh, I'm going to be, I might be shunned by my friends. Somebody might make fun of me. No, no, no. They were going to lose their life if they chose to follow God. That's how extreme this situation was for them. I want to ask you tonight, how far are you willing to go for your faith? How far are you willing to follow God? Are you willing to stand for God and experience mocking and and being persecuted and laughed at? Are you willing to lose your life for the Lord? These men chose to follow God in difficult circumstances. And the same thing is we will all face the same pressure they face to conform to the ways of this world, to conform to sin. Now that pressure looks a little different for all of us. For some of us, we might be pressured and encouraged to steal. Others might be pressured or encouraged maybe on on the path of drugs or maybe it's just as simple as lying. Other of us, others of us might be encouraged to cuss or to give in to our anger. It looks different for everyone in here and it looks very different for these men, but Rest assured, you will be pressured into following after the things of this world and forsaking the things of God. What will you do when that comes? See, I believe that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that, that, that they chose to follow God, and they stayed steadfast where they were, even in the face of death, because they had already purposed in their heart to follow God. They had already purposed in their heart that no matter what they were going to be pressured into, and, and despite the consequences that they faced, that they were going to follow God. We already read in Daniel chapter 1 where Daniel purposed in his heart. And I believe that Daniel with his friends, they all purposed in their heart. Let me encourage you, it doesn't start with a big trial to follow God. Following God starts with the now. When you don't face the big trial. When you don't face death. When you don't face persecution. When you don't face mocking, it starts now where you say, God, I'm going to follow you no matter what. I'm going to follow you no matter what my friends say, no matter what my family say. I'm going to do what's right. Lord, help me to follow you. Wherever we are, God will remain faithful to us. But he also provides us the means to be faithful for him. We can follow God wherever we're at. And this is, so, this is so good. I think this is where the meat of our text is. This is where we see a distinct company in verse 19. Read with me. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen and their hats, and their other garments, and they were cast into the midst of the fiery furnace. Therefore was the king's commandment urgent and the furnace exceeding hot. The flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the midst of the fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was, aston- 
was astonished, and rose up in haste and spake, said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the, unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Verse 26, Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake, said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire. And the princes, and the governors, and captains, and the king's counselors, being gathered together, saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was an hair on their heads singed. Neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire passed on them. So these men, in the face of persecution and in facing death, follow God. They were thrown into the furnace. And I love how vivid how, um, Daniel is when he's inspired by God to write this. He says the king was so furious, right? He, he tells them to fire up the furnace seven times past its normal heat. He's this man, he's, he's this mad at these men. He says they must die for what they've done. Yet God was with them. That's where we see the fourth man with them, the Son of God. It says the fourth is like the Son of God. God is with us in the midst of our persecution. When we choose to follow God, He will accompany us, whatever the consequence we can rest assured that He has our fate in His hands, and He'll take care of us. God is sovereign, and what we see in this story, God is in control. See, faith is not, God is going to make sure I'm content and happy where I am. That's not what these men said, and that's not faith. No, no, faith is, God is sovereign, and He in His sovereignty is going to do the best possible thing in this circumstance for his kingdom and for his glory these men decided hey i'm just going to trust god i know what's right i'm not going to stand for evil i might lose my life but god's in control he'll save us but if he doesn't i'm going to trust him nonetheless god came 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 through for them but even if he doesn't necessarily save our life or save us out of persecution or save us from mocking we can trust in this fact that God is with us and His presence is with us as well. God has also promised us His presence. And whatever mocking we endure and whatever trials we face, whatever persons we go through, because of the decision to trust God, we can know that God's presence will be with us through it all. I love how Daniel talks about God and describes Him in Daniel chapter 9, verse 4. Flip there with me, if you will. Daniel chapter 9, verse 4. The Bible says, And I prayed unto the Lord my God, and made my confession, said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love Him, to them that keep His commandments. Daniel has described our great and dreadful God as this, a God who keeps His covenants and who keeps His mercy toward us always. Always. So even when we fail Him and don't come through as we ought, or even when we follow Him and the persecution is a little harsher than we expected, we can trust God to come through on His promises. 
I love how, how Charles Spurgeon phrased it. He, he said, I've learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. We can trust God no matter what circumstance we're in. And these men felt that. So, let's very quickly go through some takeaways for the night. What can we learn from Daniel chapter 3? Number one, God calls us to, to always stand for what's right and for His truth in our culture. No matter what we face, no matter what our friends say or our family says, we ought to stand for truth. And I want to ask you, Worth Baptist Church, in the culture we live in, in the Fort Worth we live in now, who is going to choose to stand for God? Who's going to stand for God? We see three choice servants of the Lord in our text who stood for God amidst a culture where nobody else stood for God. We can find consolation and encouragement from them that we ought to stand for God as well. God calls us to stand for what's right. Then we see, number two, God is sovereign and he's working on our behalf. We probably wouldn't have guessed how this story ends if we were there in his time. Actually, we probably would have, and we would have guessed, oh man, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, they chose to serve God. That's great, that's fine, but they're going to lose their life. They're done. That's how we would have guessed it. But God was in control. He was working behind the scenes to make sure his expected end would come through. That's where we see number three. When we suffer for well-doing, we are a picture and testimony of what Jesus Christ did for us. On the cross, I missed in my reading First Peter chapter three. Turn there with me, if you, if you would. First Peter chapter three, starting in verse seventeen. First Peter chapter three, verse seventeen. The Bible says, "For it is better if the will of God be so." Once again, there's the emphasis of the will of God. God's in control. We can trust His sovereignty. If the will of God be so that you suffer for well doing, than for evil doing. For Christ, you see the comparison? For Christ also hath once suffered for sins. The just for the unjust. That he might bring us to God. Being put to death in the flesh. But quickened by the Spirit. So here, Peter, writing 1 Peter 3, pins these words. It's better, if it's God's will, that ye suffer for well-doing. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And just like we will if we choose to follow God. Because when we suffer for well-doing, we're a, a picture, we're a testimony of what Jesus has done for us when he died for us on the cross. It is good to suffer, he says. And I don't, I don't know about you, but in my Americanized mind, that's pretty backwards. We want justice. We want righteousness, right? We, we want fairness. We want, hey, I did the right thing. I want to be honored. I want to be praised. I want people to notice me. We don't want to suffer and be persecuted for what's wrong. Here the Bible says it's good if you're persecuted. When you do well. It's good when you suffer. When you follow God. Why? Because you're a very picture of the one who died for us. And you can further point people towards Christ. We saw, number one, God calls us to stand for what's right and for His truth in our culture. We saw, number two, God is sovereign and He's working on our behalf. Number three, when we suffer for well-doing, we're a picture and testimony of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And then number four, whatever we go through, whatever persecution or fire we face, God will be there for us. And we can rest assured 
his presence. I'm going to close tonight asking you this. What are you willing to do for God? What suffering are you willing to experience to follow after God? Let's all close our heads and bow for a word of prayer. Before we start our invitation, let's pray. Father God, I'm, I'm thankful for the testimony of these men. Men who, despite the darkness of their culture, despite a culture that worshipped false gods and encouraged people to leave the faith, these men, in the face of death, followed you. Lord, would you fill us with that faith? Would you fill us with that courage that despite what our culture says, despite what might happen to us in the persecution we might face, God, would you help us to follow you through it all? It's in your holy sin's name we do pray. Amen. Let's all stand right now as we start our invitation. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I don't know what God spoke to you about. I know he spoke to my heart this evening. I don't know if the Lord touched on your heart about standing for truth and standing for what's right. And you know maybe it's at your workplace with your family this Christmas. You need to take a stand for the truth and take a stand for your faith. If that's you, I would encourage you when the invitation starts, come find your place at the altar. Maybe God spoke to you about trusting His sovereignty and trusting Him to work on your behalf so you can follow Him. Maybe the Lord spoke specifically to you about some suffering you're going through. And you just need to give that suffering to God and say, God, I'm suffering for doing what's right. Help me to keep doing what's right. I don't know what God spoke to you about. We're going to start a quick verse of invitation. I pray that you would come give your burdens to God. Ask Him to help you to stand for what's right as we start.